welcome to another episode of A Spoonful of Recovery. Just as usual, a few trigger warnings. We will be talking about symptoms of illnesses and mental health. So if you find any of those challenging, this episode may not be for you. So today I have Holly on the podcast. Holly I've known for about six or seven years. Welcome to the podcast. If you'd just like to introduce yourself, please. Yeah, thanks, Shayla. Thanks for having me on. Um, so my name's Holly Crosby. I'm a, a coach and a counsellor. I do a lot of health coach training at the minute. Yeah, work in and around Sheffield, which is kind of where we met. Gosh, I can't believe all that time ago. So yeah, that's kind of me and what I do. You speak a lot about mental health and well-being, especially in like the workplace. Yeah. Can you just give us a bit of a background as to how you got into that? Yeah. So. Um, started really um so back probably gosh about 17 18 years ago i trained as a counselor and that was kind of my first role so working with people mainly within addiction services but also mental health as well and i guess all of my kind of career progression and everything i've you know done for a job and um, since then i've always been kind of working with people sometimes the most vulnerable sometimes the ones that you know kind of don't fit into the nice boxes and that we'd kind of like to use to treat people. So it's always kind of being part of work and working with people to kind of help them support themselves. So within that, you know, if we're asking people to help to look after themselves as well, then it's really important that they understand their own mental health, what's good for their own well-being. So that's kind of always what I've done as a job. And I guess, you know, like everybody else in the world, you know, we've all got mental health. Sometimes it's challenging, sometimes it's difficult, it certainly has been for me throughout my years. So, you know, I've got my own stories and stuff going on as well, but I guess, like I say, my my job roles have always been working in and around that arena and supporting people with difficulties with their mental health as well. How has mental health impacted you personally? Because you hear a lot about, especially since the pandemic there's been like a real like movement people talk about mental health as in anxiety some people talk about how serious it got some people just say they have low moods what's it been like for you probably all of that and everything in between really so I mean you know particularly around the pandemic and you know the lockdowns I really struggled you know really high anxiety I'd say mine was you know absolute health anxiety I was really worried you know, when it, if I kind of look into my anxiety and the triggers, you know, it's always kind of around the health, you know, am I well, those around me, you know, if something happens, how do we treat, how do we look after ourselves, you know, what help do we get and support. So, um, certainly, you know, the lockdowns I found really challenging. And in particular, I couldn't do the things that's good for my mental health. So I couldn't go out walking, couldn't go out running. I'm quite, even though I... I work by myself a lot of the time and now in an office at home due to the pandemic. I'm quite a social creature really, so I like talking to people face to face. So the things that kind of support my, you know, having good well-being and, you know, any difficult times or, you know, times that have been anxious or depressed, the things that I would do to support myself with that and look after it, couldn't do through the pandemic. So I found that kind of even more challenging because throughout some of the most difficult times, I couldn't do what I needed to to look after myself. So, yeah, and, and I think, you know, the other thing with kind of mental health and my mental health, and I think, you know, for everyone, you know, we go through certain things in life. 
um, you know, you might have been diagnosed with those things that happened to you, you know, you experienced a trauma and, you know, then you're on different paths with it and it's kind of learning again and, and supporting yourself and kind of doing what you need to. And then at some point that changes, you know, so, you know, I've gone through a few things in life where it kind of changed or accelerated that. But certainly experienced kind of anxiety and depression and as, as did find COVID pandemic, you know, lockdowns are really challenging. I just couldn't stand it. And I get why we were in lockdown, but it was just the whole, I don't know if you found this, but going on LinkedIn for me was such a trigger because everyone was like, look at my garden, look at me losing weight. This is the best thing that's ever happened. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Mm. I need to be in nature. I need to be outdoors. Mm. I need to walk. And that one hour was just not enough. Mm. Like I needed more. And then everyone's there going, it's the best thing ever. Like, woo, let's get on TikTok and dance. And I was like, I genuinely just hated it and I just it made me like hate my life envy other people and then I got mm-hmm. sick I couldn't cope with that and it was such a confusing time and then a lot of people on social media were like it's okay not to be okay yay reach out for help there's been a movement about workplaces mm-hmm. saying you know we care about mental health um and I've worked for myself for like about six years now I don't know how I would tell someone in a workplace that I have mental health challenges because I would almost assume, oh, is it going to be used against me? I mean, I raise awareness enough, but it's just like, how do you go about telling a workplace? I mean, it is really challenging. And, you know, there's definitely not even, you know, know, not even a straight line of it. You know, some some workplaces that I work with, you know, they're way above you know, they're talking about mental health um, and well-being, they're actively doing things. It's not just a tick box, you know, you can see it throughout the culture. The staff are open to conversations, you know, they're talking, they're supportive and, and there's some real good stuff going on. And I imagine if you're in that kind of workplace and these open conversations that we're not just having about, you know, stuff out there, you know, when mental health being a thing that other people experience but when we're when in the workplace people are talking about it that they experience it you know I imagine it, it probably would feel quite okay for a lot of people to then say well yeah that's me actually because they're having those conversations so I think they're quite few and far between and it is a hard one and I completely get it that people you know like you've just said yourself would think it'd be used against you and it's, it will have been for people in the past and it will be happening now as well. So I think, you know, it's kind of, for me, if I was in that position, I'd be thinking, what's my gut feeling about the organisation I'm in? Are the actor really supportive and do they really want to care? Or they kind of just find the information to think to maybe use against me. Do you know, like, what's, what's generally kind of the feel of the place? Because there will be some people that kind of, they still don't get it and it could be kind of used in a difficult way. I think it's generally getting better and we're we're nowhere near where it needs to be, certainly. And I think what was great about, I mean, there were very few great things about COVID, I'd say, and lockdowns, but one of the good things was, and I kept hearing time and time again, was that people were starting to get an insight into colleagues' lives. You know, everybody was Zooming in or using Teams from the home. So they were starting to, you know, they'd see where they were, you know, the surroundings where they might if there's kids in the back, you know, so, and actually, generally, people were asking each other, how are you doing? So those things, you know, were kind of, you know, good for the workplace, because I think it brought it into the work, 
ones that have not done much before. I think my worry now though is cost of living crisis and one of the first things to go is probably the wellbeing stuff and you know the training that we've got people staff you know booked onto and we've done and you know we've got these mental health ambassadors and we've got this these walks going on and you know all these different things and actually gosh if we need to start drawing back that's probably what it's going to hit and I've kind of I've got suspicions that's starting to happen and I think it's only going to carry on which is a real shame because actually it's times like this that you need it even more so. I think it's a good point that you've mentioned about like your gut feeling but say if you are in an interview what are some of the things that you can kind of ask that might give you an insight into the company culture because I remember working at certain marketing agencies in my early 20s and I was depressed and I was anxious but they were just like yeah the company culture is great we get Friday pizzas and we get this and we've got a pool table which I played on twice in two years but like they will just make it like oh yeah we're we're like a family mm-hmm. and when you're quite early on in your career like that's great yeah it's, it's a tough one isn't it because you know those sound, things sound great but you know if you're in a you know about a depression or you know a real bad stage in life you know the pizza and the pool table I mean it's not gonna make a job difference to you is it and I suppose it's those things so you know if if we're you know you ask something about or tell them kind of you know like how you look after your people or you know what what's it like here you know kind of do you have any initiatives that you know happen regularly you know if they're those things they're quite superficial you know the top level we want to be seen to be doing something maybe giving a bit of an extra and actually there's no kind of there's no real cost, no real effort, and like I say, it's probably a bit superficial, isn't it? So maybe kind of the things that they're giving you, you know, if they were saying, well, actually, um, you know, well-being is really important, and Wednesday lunchtimes, you know, we always go out, and, you know, whoever can join us, we go on a walk, you know, um, into nature or something, you kind of think, well, okay, that's that's a different level, but, well, certainly I think that, you know, they're really invested in, they understand that the outdoors, that nature, you know, it's really good for us. So actually getting people together to experience that, you know, kind of lift your mood. And that'll lift your mood in a different way if someone's gone for pizza will. You know, so I guess it's kind of if they're talking about these things, what are the things? Are they superficial or as is there real meaning behind it that it's gonna be good for you? I mean you can research and find online, can't you? If they're shouting about stuff on the website. Well, that's a good indication they're doing stuff. It's then about when you get there, are you seeing the same messaging? You know, is there posters around? Are people, you know, you know, people got things on the desk? I, I don't know, but you know, you couldn't just put it on your website and then you tick box that you're doing something about it. So does that match up to reality of what people are saying and what are you seeing as well? And I guess, I mean, you know, you can talk to people whether they tell you honestly or whether they like the pizza and the pool table and they're not bothered about anything else, you know, that's that's another thing, I guess, that you can ask for people's opinions. But I always say kind of go off your gut. For me, it's really important that. But I just think, especially if they, you know, they say that we do these things or we've got these certain policies, just ask yourself kind of how, how deep a level do they go to? Or does that suggest that they are really interested in me being at my full potential and supporting me if I'm not? 
or all of those things, cheap and easy to do, bit gimmicky, look okay, they're not going to have any value to me then. I think that's a good point. I remember working somewhere nearly 10 years ago and it was like the place to be at the time. And in the company meeting, like with the whole company there, they played like the company promo video and this girl just went, where's this? I don't know what this is. Like it was so far away from what we were actually seeing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. It was like the fish and chips went, sorry. What What is even like this little book club thing? We were just so confused. And it was like, no, you're actually like lying at this point and yeah. making it sound as though it's like amazing. And people used to say it to me on LinkedIn and in person like, you work there oh my god you're so lucky it's like the best place ever and I was like yeah no really no (laughs) it's not yeah but it's like it's the hardest bit I mean well done for for kind of saying actually this is not right because I guess most of us wouldn't would we but and that's the thing and that's you know how the different people can shout about stuff and say this is what we're doing and you know but actually you know, you get the same sense of feeling. Does that ring true? Kind of when you're in the building, when you're talking to people, when you're looking around. You know, is it the same? Because they're not always. And I mean, it's hard, isn't it? Because that's like obviously people in the workplace. You know, if you work for yourself, and um, okay, I I do some kind of associate work for other companies, but but you know, I'm, I'm self-employed. I work for myself really. It's got a different angle on it, hasn't it? Then to kind of the workplace and supporting and maybe whether you take on pieces of work or, you know, or even like finding out, do I want to kind of go into that company for a little while and work with them? Because, you know, that's still an investment and a difficult one, I think. I think at the start, I remember when I started working for myself, I had just finished backpacking for about five months, spent all the mortgage money that I was going to use like traveling and um, best thing ever but I remember yeah I remember I wasn't really saying no to clients because I was like well I need the money so you know who am I to be picky and entitled but as I started getting more into working for myself over the years there are bad clients as well and like I nearly went to court with someone because they just didn't want to pay me and then you've got to deal with it all yourself and that just impacts you mentally have you found any tips when you are working for yourself on how to sort of manage your well-being? Oh yeah, gosh, that's a tricky one, isn't it? Because it's 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 so individual and it kind of works for us all, doesn't it? But yeah, I, I completely get that. And when I first started out, I'd have said yes to anything. But now I'm like, oh, does it really suit me? Is it kind of a thing that I'm wanting? You know, do we match up what? you know, correspondence have we had so far, it, it does it feel okay, you know, and, and I am very much kind of going on that feeling side, um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a tricky one because, you know, like with mental health, well-being, you know, we can do things that work for us, but at some point they might not, so it's recognising that as well and kind of knowing that it's a continuum and it'll always change and kind of be, you know, you know, kind of adapting to that, I guess. So I have a bit of a challenge that I always have to get 10,000 steps a day. So, and I like that because it gets me out walking. So even on a freezing cold day, you know, getting out and going on a walk somewhere is so important for me. You know, some days I can manage a, a longer one. Sometimes it's 20 minutes and it's to the park and round the field and back, but it makes a real big difference. And I've really noticed that. 
And I think, you know, for, for people kind of thinking, what's my thing that I need to do? Just give things a go that you think, you know, might help. The big ones are things like, you know, kind of nature, you know, kind of getting a bit of fresh air, those sorts of things. Exercise is a massive one. And notice on the days that you don't do it, has it had an impact? Or if you go a few days without it, you know, are you in a lower mood? Um, another one for me is not spending too much time at computers, phones, social media, you know, kind of having a break from that. I struggle, unless I'm delivering training, I struggle to kind of sit here constantly working. I've got to break it up, even if it's, you know, five minutes. In the spring, it's much nicer to kind of have a cup of coffee in the back garden, not so much today. But, you know, those things kind of help me. So for me, I've worked out that it's about, um, you know, kind of breaking things up, social interaction with people, massive thing. So, and that's another thing that I get from going on walks. If, I, if I'm on a walk, I'm walk or park, I'll bump into so many people. And even just saying morning, you know, how are you to somebody, to a stranger, that'll make a difference to me. So that's kind of, and I think, and I think the other thing to kind of stay with it is, especially when you work for yourself, that it's not, you know, that those things, you can kind of think, well, I'm not working, I'm not earning you know, and but it's still part of day and it's that's part of looking after yourself well enough to carry on working. And I think that's kind of a reminder. So I know when I first started, I was very much, I used to be a bit of a timekeeper to myself because I was like, oh, well, I've just done this for an hour and that's not part of my working day. And I never thought that when I worked in an office for a company, if I chatted to someone for half an hour, I didn't tell myself off for it. But working for myself, I kind of felt that I've got to keep going and constantly and never stop. So I think, you know, part of looking after yourself when you work for yourself is also kind of recognising that and actually putting some boundaries around your time. Because, you know, even the best will in the world, you know, when we're employed, you know, we might chat to other people, we make coffees, we might nip out to some lunch. You know, we do other things as well. So when you work for yourself, particularly if you're working from home, the other little bits and bobs that just break your day up mean you have a conversation with someone else, have 10 minutes away from your screen as part of looking after yourself and it's good for your well-being and not getting too bogged down into it, I think. Yeah, I think that's really important that you highlighted that because I didn't realise how solo I was until I didn't have the co-working space, the coffee shops, the walks. It was like, oh, I literally am on my own and then Zoom meetings and coffees weren't really working for me because mm. I was just like I'm staring at a screen now for 10 mm. hours because this is the only interaction I had and then I got sick and I couldn't even walk and it was like those little things were like taken away from like your daily life and it's like mm. what do I do and I think just even sitting in a coffee shop and speaking to the people who work there I mean I know most coffee shops in Sheffield now like I've worked from them or co-work with someone else mm. even if it's for two hours so you are getting that interaction of if it's venting or, you know, you've got an issue with a client or you've, you know, you're not feeling very creative, just like bouncing off ideas. You don't have to feel guilty for not doing the work. Yeah. Yeah. That does make yeah, you sick, kids. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it, it's, it's definitely a part of it, isn't it? And it's like, you know, what you've just been saying there, all those things that you did that actually really made a difference to your day, when they're taken away, you've got to kind of learn something new. And it's especially when we're, we were under such restrictions, you know, you, 
made a choice. I know when I kind of first went by myself, it was such a kind of a massive shock of, oh my God, I'm not in this group with them. You know, like if I've got an idea, I can't bounce it off anybody else. And and because that then usually develops the idea and it probably gets better, doesn't it? So I'd kind of lost that. And, and one of the massive things before I even went solo, um, I, I probably, I would have liked to have done it about two years earlier than I did, but I've got um, a health condition, so I've got a pituitary tumour, so a, a tumour in my uh, next to my brain. And I was just like massively against working for myself because I was like, I think this something goes wrong with that. Like, what support have I got? You know, I'm not going to get sick pay, not got anyone to look after me, I've not got anyone paying into a pension pot. And actually, that fear of you know, being unwell and then not knowing what to do about it kind of kept me employed for probably a good few years longer than I wanted because actually, you know, as much as I've been that in the end I wanted to leave, there's some real benefits to that way of life. I learnt that when I got sick in 2020. I mean, I ignored it and then I was so worried about work because I was getting the opportunities but I couldn't carry out the work and I did have a contract and I think I didn't perform the best because I just couldn't look at the screen I'd drop on the floor and then I'd forget and then I'd be like what am I doing and then it got to a point where I just had all these symptoms visible symptoms and I was like I can't do this and I, I just wouldn't accept that I was sick because I couldn't but I had to work and I didn't know anything else. And I grew up fairly healthy. So I was like, what do you mean ring up at 8.30 and book an appointment? What is this thing that you have to do with the GP and battle them every morning? And then everyone around me was like, but you look fine. Um, and then that was like a journey of, oh, great. I work for myself. I don't have a safety net. I can't call in sick. I'm not getting furloughed. I think that's one of the things that annoyed me was people were like yay furlough and rest and sit at home and I was like I'm on the verge of death here and it did impact my mental health so mm. badly because I physically couldn't move and I'm thinking one minute I'm in Antarctica looking at icebergs next minute I'm in bed looking at my walls and that's all I saw for months and I remember I couldn't be open about it because I felt so ashamed mm. and when I did open up about it so many people were like why didn't you just say that and I was like I didn't know how to I didn't know how to say there was something wrong with me, even though now I'm quite open about it, like everything I do has something to do with the illness. But did you have that at some point where, even though you got a label for it, there was the acceptance part? Oh, yeah. And, you know, similar to yourself, like it, when you can't make sense of it in your own head, it's like, well, how do you tell all the people and for them to understand or make sense of it? And... And, you know, most people, they don't need to, do they? They'll hear your story and be like, oh, my gosh, you know, that must be so difficult, or, or however they react. But, like, in your own head, you feel like, well, it doesn't make sense to me, so it won't to anyone else. And it is a hard thing to talk about because, you know, I guess mine was 15, 16 years ago, so I, I found I got a tumour at the base of my brain, so I had an operation. A year or so later, I had kind of a version of radiotherapy to to stop it coming back and it was very much like they looked after that side of this is what you've got and this is what it's showing this is what's got potential to do let's whip it out and let's give you all this treatment 
And like every checkup, I still go to checkups now every year. Every checkup I have is always based around like facts and figures, you know, like, well, these are your results and this is this. Nobody's ever really said, well, how do you cope with that? And, you know, I'd say that I'm in a really good place with it now because it's been about 17 odd years since, or maybe a little bit less, maybe 16, 15 years, something like that since I had my treatment. But, you know, for many, many years throughout that, I've gone through, you know, massive bouts of depression, anxiety, loads of different things because kind of nobody ever really asked me that. And, and like yourself, I looked fine. You couldn't see there was anything wrong with me. I'll do that in quotes because it's not. So it's hard to then say to people, do you know what? I'm really struggling with it, you know, with this that I've been through or with potentially what might happen. And I think that's also partly because it's difficult conversations for people to have, other people to hear. Um, and, yes. you know, it's often things that other people fear. So sometimes it's hard to for you to say it anyway, because for me, oh, well, I don't understand it. And I feel like I should have got over it by now. And then sometimes people receiving it, they shy away from it because they don't want to upset you. They don't know what to say. And actually, my big fear of theirs that they've had something like me got. So it just makes it, you know, difficult. And once you experience that, or if you experience some difficult times, you don't want to say anything again, do you? I remember once at work and I was telling someone I was going for like my review, so I've been in for an MRI scan and I've been in for all my blood and I was going in to get all my results and I was really nervous because you know it's still um, it's only been on a few years and um somebody went, Oh well, you know, you should just be grateful, at least you haven't got cancer. And I was like, Oh my god, I should be grateful I've not got cancer. I mean, you know, and then I was like, Yeah, you're right, yeah, I should, I shouldn't worry about it. And then thinking about that, I mean, years and years later, I still think about it now, I was like, well, it's not that now, but it's something else, and it's something difficult, and, you know, but what's your next membrane, you know, so it's kind of like, you can put things into perspective, but actually, if you're doing it to batter yourself, or to then, you know, go, oh, well, because of that, I'll then not think about it, that's not helpful either, and I think sometimes when you get that reaction back from people, I just thought, oh, I'm not going to tell anyone now, because, you know, I shouldn't be worrying. I mean, I remember being told, similar to you, like, why are you putting your family through this? It's not like you've got cancer or a chopped arm. Do you know how many people are dying out there? And I was like, okay, so I shouldn't say anything. And then it was going into these, like, seizures, but they're not classed as proper seizures. And then it was like, just be positive, be happy. And you're like, my pain is not coming across. And I remember just saying I don't want to be on the planet anymore and I got like lectured I reached out to people and they were like yeah no it's okay if you want to talk and I was like yeah I do want to talk and they were like well why are you saying this for oh I haven't got time um you know go speak to someone else oh god oh why are you saying this and I was like oh so you were saying it's okay not to be okay reach out if you need anything and that just reinforced the whole people are saying anything and everything and it's not their like job to protect my mental health but I ended up calling Samaritans for four months every day because I just couldn't deal with it and when I tell people that they're like oh oh um yeah no just be happy you know you you traveled and it's like it's like your pain is not valid mm-hmm. and that's the thing that used to get to me was the invisible illnesses especially it's like well it's not that so therefore you can't be that sick and you don't really 
like you, you're not allowed to be in pain or you're not allowed to show it because you know it's not that visible you, you're not bleeding and I'm just like thanks for that and I had people say like who would want to deal with all this anyway you're never going to find a partner and you're never going to do anything and that hurt at the time but I've learned that they're not the type of people I would want in my life but it's hard isn't it though at that time when that's what you're you're met with do you feel like it's because what you have didn't fit nicely into a box and people didn't understand it so that was the reaction or, yeah. or something else it was like oh so so it's not cancer and I was like no had an MRI blood tests told me I'm healthy and because they couldn't see it on the MRI, it was like, yeah, there's something wrong with your brain, but can't really um, put our finger on it. Here's a website, go be more positive. And I was like, eh. And then everyone else around me was like, well, the specialists have said you're okay, so why are you attention seeking? And I was like, I'm re- I don't want to be dropping on the floor randomly. Mm-hmm. Believe me, it's not fun. <laughs> and when I went to A&E, they were like, um, go home, be more happy. We don't know how to deal with this. And that became harder to communicate and I was struggling to communicate and then I was forgetting and I was dropping on the floor to say that out loud to someone it's like what do you mean all right so have you gone to the GP then it's like yeah genius I did I went through quite a few neurologists and you know medical people and it was almost like well if you can't cope with it I don't want to cope with it Mm -hmm. and I've had people say well why didn't you tell me and I was like I did and your response was not the are you okay like I didn't need people to fix me but I needed the support and I didn't get that apart from like Facebook groups with people who have similar um issues and conditions mm-hmm. they're the ones who are like no I've had this as well my GP said this and I was like oh so I'm not alone thanks but it does become harder to kind of I have to still to this day say I used to have symptoms that mimicked a brain tumour but they're similar to MS and some days I have this, and other days I don't. And it's like, oh, right, yeah, okay, kind of get it now. But there is that part of people being uncomfortable with it. And I think, you know, I can't help but think that, like, one of the things that's absolutely missing is that, like, patient story. You know, like, you're an expert patient because you're living it, you know, and you've been through all these different yeah. things. And actually, it's kind of like, well, if the test doesn't show it or the blood doesn't, you know, then it's kind of, mm, we're not sure or it's not happened or let's just kind of pretend. Yeah. And I don't think there's enough kind of validation of patient experience. Yeah, 100%. I think that's why I started the podcast because I started it when I was bedbound and I was just about accepting it and saying it to other people that I, mm-hmm. I am sick. And then I started thinking, well, how can I raise awareness? What's missing? Um, and I was like, right, let's do this. And then I started thinking, well, if I'm with this experience, then other people might be. And I've had other people with other conditions that I've never heard of. But they've had that whole, oh, blood tests are fine. You look fine. Like mm-hmm. my GP said to me, your skin and hair is great. And I was like, yeah, but I'm dropping on the floor. Like, why are you trying to compensate for that by saying this? Like... And I was like, no, but you don't understand how sick I am. And they were like, yeah, but you know, Shayla, you're not dying. You know, you're not dying, dying. It just looks like you are a little bit. It might feel like it, but you know, 
be happy and I was like are you actually kidding me and it was just that whole injustice of people not believing the illnesses yeah and you know I can't help but think like I don't know I've, I've thought of that all along actually and maybe let me re- rephrase that would you have like responded better if your GP or whoever would have gone do you know what I don't get it it doesn't make sense but let's work it out 100 percent. That's yeah. so different, isn't it? Yeah. I think I would have found it hard to accept there's something wrong because I mm-hmm. think that's a very personal journey and especially if you're such an active person and most people with the things that I have have been working like 60 to 70, 100 hours. They, a lot of them seem to travel and hike mountains and they're very active and they're very fit and they've got that voice in their head that says they're not good enough. And that might have something to do with like suppressed emotions and environment. Mm-hmm. Then to become bed bound and someone say, stop making it up or, but you look fine. It's so disheartening and demoralizing. Mm-hmm. If they'd said to me, do you know what, Shayla? We don't know what's wrong with you, but it's something we don't know what it is. And we don't know how much we can help you. Okay. My journey to recovery might have started earlier. Cause I would have gone, mm-hmm. what books can I get? What can I research? But it was like a six-month battle with getting a neurologist. And then he said to me, it's been six months, so we know you're not lying now. I was like, you had to wait six months for me to tell the truth? Like, what? And I was like, I'm not getting many benefits from lying. You you do know that. There's no sympathy. And he was like, yeah, I know, because now we know you're not, like, lying, so we can put you on a waiting list. And I was like, wow. And you expect me to be like happy about this they were like you should be grateful be positive have a positive outlook on life and I was like I can't move my body sometimes and I feel paralyzed yeah well you know you're still here and you're communicating fine so I'm like okay thanks but um yeah it is and you've got no you've got no trust there have you and how can you tell kind of anyone you know, when when you met with that response, then how can you tell people how things really are or how bad, you know, things really are? And and just, you know, sometimes it's hard just being honest to yourself. You know, it sounds like that's what you've experienced at the time, but how is the same? And it's like, well, it's hard enough to be honest to yourself. So if you're, you get that response back, you know, how can you tell them about, you know, the worst times or reach out for support? Because actually... There's, there's not that relationship, there's not that connection, you don't feel like you can then be yourself, do you? Yeah, I think because the specialists had said, oh, well, we don't know what you're on about, like, we're the experts, you're not. And I'm there dropping on the floor and being told to work harder and run 5k whilst I'm bedridden. It's almost like, well, how do you tell another person? Because that person's just going to go and, and a lot of the times they did, um, do yoga then oh no um do you know what it is you probably have this thing that my mate had and um just smile you'll be fine and just have a nap and I was like thanks for that everyone becomes a medical expert you wouldn't say this to someone with cancer but all Mm -hmm. of a sudden when it's like hidden disability chronic illness it's right you're not doing enough to fix the problem so you are the problem or like just watch Netflix you'll be fine like this is not a holiday well, it's awful because it, you want to, like, I almost laugh then because it's so ridiculous. But when it's people's experience, I mean, 
which just sounds crazy, that isn't it? That that response, and I think that's also like a little bit about um, you know, kind of well-being and those messages, and it's kind of like you know, there's a top do these things to look after yourself, or do these things, and then everything will be okay. And it's so a lot of it's such one size fits all, and it's absolutely not. It's really about you know, understanding yourself, where you're at, you know, your well-being, your mental health, your physical health, and then kind of, you know, how to look after that. But you really need other people to, like those around you, whether it's, you know, people in your personal life or medical professionals, for them to also believe that and kind of help you with it and understand that, you know, that blanket, watch Netflix, be happy, you know, be more resilient, I hate that word, be more resilient you know all that kind of thing is like so do that and it's sorted and it's just you need to be much more individual in that really listening to people's stories and being honest about do you know what it doesn't make sense to me but I'm going to try and support you anyway or help you out with whatever and just have that as an honest reaction rather than you know, dismissive and give you a bit of advice. And the other thing with the advice is, you know, it's from our own kind of experience, isn't it? And what's important to us and what's worked for us. So when we're told from other people, like, watch Netflix or do that 5K run, it might be great advice for them, but for you as an individual, it might be terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, like, Gary V, go out and crush it and historically I would have worked harder you know if there's a problem in life anxious work harder turn it into work that's probably partly why I got sick because I didn't rest whereas now I'm just like I do sometimes have to lay down on the floor and sort my back out sort out the migraines the sensory problems and I'm not going to apologize for it I'm mm-hmm. going to read my book and I'm going to have to take a bit of time off in my day and my day might start later or earlier and finish at a certain time and that's okay. And I know in society it'll be like, it used to trigger me because people would be like, what have, what have you been doing? What were you doing in lockdown? And I was like, yeah, no, just um, getting by. And they're like, yeah, I learned three languages. I took up art. I did this. And I'm like, I barely survived it. <laughs> and that's what like encouraged me to make like TikTok videos because I was like, yeah, I was told to be positive, but I was dropping on the floor. Didn't help. Or that unsolicited advice isn't really helpful it's okay to listen and go right what do you need from me and all I got was this is what I think mm-hmm. and you're not doing it therefore you know the, all the gaslighting comes in the whole you don't qualify to be depressed um well you're on a waiting list it's not five years it's two years be happy I'm like mm-hmm. but it's still three years of my life and I know people who have got like fatigue now because of long covid mm-hmm. and I've gone yeah do you want to run that 5k now do you want to try be happy because it doesn't it doesn't yeah. actually work when you're going through it yeah and oh it's also that unsolicited advice isn't it and you're right all we kind of want like all really you want from people is just for them to listen and to kind of just not judge you for it and even if it is as like i said as in being honest and saying oh god that must be awful or whatever you prefer that than a Here's a quick fix, because you know what? I bet everything that someone's ever told you, you've always thought that in your head. It'd be yeah. great if I could have gone on a run today. It'd be great if I could do this. If I could watch a Netflix series and not feel absolutely shocking all the way through, it would have been great. You know, you look, 
just thought about more yourself anyway, wouldn't you? But just remember, it's not going to happen. Life will bring other people advice and experience, and it's not coming from a real place of understanding or genuine want to help either. It's coming from a quick, I'm just going to throw something at you, maybe to get out of this difficult conversation, I think, a lot of the time. Yeah, a lot of it has been like, I don't want to deal with it. And I've had people just leave my life and say, yeah, yeah, this is too much. And I'm like, I've gone, all right, I've accepted it. And I've gone, you know, if it's too much, it's too much. Because I am not going to stop having most of these symptoms. Like the main ones I've managed to reduce. But if that's too much, then that's too much. And best of luck, I think. Before I just was like, it was an attack on me. And how dare you? And I can't have things wrong with me. And, you know, why, why me? Whereas now I'm like, it's happened and what what can I do to play my part in making it better for someone else and if it is a podcast where someone feels less isolated whereas I just got you're never going to recover deal with it I'm just like thanks thanks for that one yeah it's really helping I've got god knows how long I'm going to live for um so yeah it's it's definitely a journey mm-hmm. and what do you think people can do to raise awareness or this like unsolicited advice like whether it's in the workplace or in society how do you think this can sort of be reduced or how people can raise awareness i don't know i feel like i should ask you that i mean you've got this podcast and you're talking about it and doing stuff and that's all good isn't it and you've probably got more far better answers than me on it but i think those sorts of things you know is brilliant and there's so many kind of different forums now um, where I feel like it's kind of got to come from other places as well. Like it's got to be, you know, you know, like we need the same kind of messages in health and in the workplace and kind of in general life about, you know, kind of looking after yourself. Yeah, about reaching out, but then you've got to know that whoever you reach out to, whether that's an individual or an organisation, that what you're going to be met with is a kindness to start with. Um, I think people sharing the stories is brilliant and certainly kind of on different platforms like this, meeting up with people that might have experienced similar things or or even, you know, kind of, um, so like I met with some people that had also kind of had, you know, like pituitary tumours and stuff, very different ones to the ones I had, the one I had, but you know, um, and at some times that was helpful to kind of hear those stories and, you know, there were there were bits that you kind of might link into, but equally, you know, there's maybe, you know, talking to people who've had anxiety or depression for another reason, you know, and just kind of like listening to that story and kind of sharing yours. I think you can often feel like you've not got a connection to anyone or anything. If you go through something like that, quite isolating. So kind of reaching out and finding other people that might, have experienced similar generally means that they're at least not going to judge you and they'll listen to your story. And I think that's mm. probably the thing that um, would make a difference to people, you know, just that kind of kindness and listening to stories. And I think there's kind of, in terms of like the workplace, I think there's something about, you know, kind of all looking out for other people more as well, but also you know, being in that place and that right culture that we can talk about ourselves and share our experience, again, through no fear of, you know, I'm going to, you know, not get the next promotion because of it or, um, you know, they're going to hold it against me, those sorts of things. 
but it feels like it's like going to take generations to change that because actually yeah. what we see now and probably younger people coming through and certainly what's going on in schools weighs far heavier on mental health and well-being and looking after yourselves guys than it ever used to so that can only be a good thing but then kind of other people's influences and you know and places you work and stuff can kind of undo some of that as well so it's kind of like getting it from all angles and then in like terms of health i think you know certainly listening to patient stories and that being you know as valid as you know medical professionals so a lot of the work that the training that i deliver is um, health coach training and it's helping people to manage long-term health conditions and have more of a say so they're an equal with their doctor or their nurse or whoever so rather than old model of doctor nurse medical professional up here with all that knowledge and little me patient down here and i've not got much of a say we're actually here because i'm bringing it so you know you've got your medical professional bringing the medical side and you've got patient bringing in lived experience and together you know you can work something out and then you can support yourself so that's kind of you know something that's coming through in health i mean it will take a long time to turn that tide though but what i mean is kind of it's like i think we need those kind of similar messages everywhere so in terms of school and when people are coming through like how do you look after yourselves what's really important you know kind of how do you show kindness and listen to people's stories those sorts of messages similar ones in you know kind of workplace and then when we're in health settings actually we need that equal approach rather than a, i'm coming in with my ideas and all my training which is completely valid but equally we're going to come and we're going to meet together rather than well i'm just going to tell you what i think and then go and do it so i don't feel like i've got any answers but in an ideal world i feel like all those like touch points like you know it needs to be kind of that similar thing about you know showing kindness to other people really understanding yourself and looking after yourself you know kind of reaching out to other people and also kind of you know just genuinely wanting to know other people or hear other people's stories you know i imagine you know some people that you've spoken to you can probably get a sense of the ones that are just like thinking i shouldn't ask that question and the ones that are like oh gosh yeah tell me what that's like you know you want more of those conversations but then that goes back yeah. to kind of probably those early foundations of you know showing kindness and you know respecting each other and just the genuine interest of being around people i think it's interesting what you said about the the specialist having the knowledge and then the patient with the lived experience is like at the bottom and i've had neurologists say to me well i'm the expert you know i've been doing this for 30 years who are you and i'm like yeah the one who's experiencing all the pain and then i've had other specialists like two that are really good and i've pitched my app to them and said do you want to get on board this is how i'm going to fix certain things and how to help people cope and they've gone yeah great idea because you are the expert in your own body now sometimes that does work against you when they're like you're the expert you deal with it and you're like no but i still need help or times where they actually see you as a person that they're going on a journey with mm-hmm. and going, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, how did you manage this symptom? That's great. Whereas there's others who are just like, 
I went to Oxford, so I'd be like, yeah, but you're not solving anything for me. Yeah, and you know, it's those ones that are listening to your story and saying, so how, how did you work through that? What what helped for you? And you're then sharing your experience and then they can pass it on to someone else. So someone else is experiencing something similar, you know, rather than them kind of maybe going back to textbook, they can be like, do you know what? I had another patient who was going through a very similar thing. This helped her. You know, what do you think of that? And that's kind of how, you know, it will expand and people's understanding will grow and, you know, you will get better outcomes for it. I think, you know, always kind of sharing your story, you know, it's, I'm not going to say it's never a bad thing because it's hard to put out there, isn't it? And once it is, you know, you could get backlash and things. But in terms of kind of getting that out there and helping people, no, I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I feel like a weight was lifted off my shoulder and my back pain was reduced when I just said it and this is it. I've, you know, I didn't post on social media for about 10 months and then I did a mic drop moment of I was ill and I did get a lot of support. There's always going to be that one or two or like, stop talking about it. So what if you were ill? Don't care. And you're like, okay, if you're triggered, you're triggered. I do think it's important to share. And I've had people like, message me and say oh thank you for sharing that because I have this or yeah you know it's great to see someone being honest about it because then the conversations do continue rather than yeah I had this by it's like well let's what are we doing about it yeah and that you're finding your people then aren't you and the ones that you want to spend your time with you know that are genuine and that you know it's a bit like when you were saying earlier about people that have kind of then walked out of your life but, you know, that's their stuff, isn't it? And the ones that kind of meet it with what you're sharing this, you know, like stop kind of talking about it. Again, it's their stuff. And, you know, it's kind of, but it's hard in the moment to keep remembering that and then to keep putting yourself out there because it's like another thing on top of what you're already trying to manage, you know, yeah. and then putting myself yeah. out there to kind of help other people, but I'm still trying to help myself and... But, you know, as long as you're getting kind of some benefit from that and you feel like it is supporting other people, there's got to be a bit of a payoff there, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely, yeah. I, I think there's times where it's rewarding and other times I'm like, well, I've just relapsed. Was this the reason why I relapsed? And then you're going through it all again and going, is it worth it? I think the good always outweighs the bad, so mm. definitely. Learning those things, isn't it, about that relapse and, you know, then well, actually, you know, if I was to do that again or get that piece again, you know, would I do it the same? Could there be something different? And it's like forever, you know, kind of learning and, you know, the amount of, like, books and journals I've got of kind of writing all my thoughts down and things and experiences and, you know, even stories of, like, when I was in hospital and, you know, really sometimes, like, awful things, but sometimes, like, really lovely things that, I just kind of never wanted to forget, like all those things kind of, you know, helped me, but have also kind of helped me learn from it as well, you know, and then thought, well, if I was in the same position, would I do the same again, potentially get the same outcome, would there be something, something different, so I think kind of journaling for me was, was not a good thing, I probably, if I looked in my drawers, I've probably got like about five different notebooks, all wonderful notebooks, because I can only pick a notebook and write if it, if it looks nice. But like half or three quarters away through, like at a certain period in life, I needed that, and then I started another one, and then I've because that's really helped my help me learn from my experience, but also learn more about myself, and then that's kind of helped with 
well, you know, it's then helped improve through something else, and I thought, oh, okay, I've been through this before, or this stage, or whatever. So, yeah. And say someone's sat at home, they've just been diagnosed with something, it's affecting them, the people around them aren't being supportive, and they are receiving a lot of medical gaslighting. What advice mm-hmm. would you give to them? Oh, gosh. Um, gosh, that's a tough one, because now I'm thinking about somebody, like, being on their own with it, which is just awful, isn't it? I think what I'd say is, you know, not to stop believing in yourself and to show yourself, you know, a little bit more kindness in that, you know, don't start to believe what other people say. You know, you know yourself more than anyone. Um, so to kind of keep going with that. But to, you might have to find people in different forums, things like this podcast or, you know, certain groups. But there are those that are around you who might have supported you before or always been in your life. If you feel like actually they're not the ones right now, reach out and find out who is. Because I guarantee there'll be somebody who's been through either something similar or can at least relate and support you. And it might just be that you've got to find that in a different way to what you've been used to. But there will be somebody somewhere. You know, there's so much technology we can have now to kind of link up with people. So keep believing in yourself and keep looking out for someone who can at least show you that kindness to understand or to listen to your story and not judge. And I think whatever works for you, kind of in that moment of looking after yourself, do it. So the things that might have worked before, you know, they might not be the things that are going to help you now. You know, like with your story, Shayla, you know, like, you know, getting out, maybe walking might have been helpful to you. Well, in that moment, you can't do that now. So what can you do? So just accepting that. And it sounds easy for me to say just accept it. I don't mean it like that. But accepting that maybe the things that you've done before that's been helpful in this instance isn't going to be but there will be something so to start kind of thinking about what are the things that I can do in my scenario that will help me and I guess also accepting that it's going to be up and down you know there's going to be times that it's more difficult than others there's going to be you know times that you know you may might be having treatment or you're having tests or whatever it is and that might be kind of really intense but sometimes they can be the times that you feel most supportive because maybe you've got people around you a bit more or those sorts of things it might be times that actually now you're okay because you've had your treatment or you've had whatever or you've had your sign off you know and now you're okay my most vulnerable time was probably a year after my radio surgery which was two years after my actual surgery you know that was probably my worst because it had like I'd got through all that and I was like well I need to be strong because I've got this operation I need to do this because I've got that it was when kind of things had settled down and I was going back to life I was like whoa I've just been through a lot of stuff and I kind of didn't want to accept that so I think just kind of accepting that you're going to be on like a, a continuum with it it'll fluctuate there'll be more kind of difficult times and where you need to ramp up looking after yourself so working out what that looks like is really important but just kind of yeah just acknowledging that that's what it's going to be like and even if you think you've got it all sorted there might be a time that it's not anymore because something's changed and again getting on board with that because 
you know, certainly, you know, there's lots of things that it's there for life now. So it's kind of managing it over life, whatever works for me. But definitely find those people that you can talk to because they're there somewhere, whatever forum. And definitely don't stop believing in yourself or... And, and don't eat, I mean, again, I say it, you know, quite like this now because I've kind of, I don't know maybe what I think or what I've been through, but don't stop telling your story to the professionals. You know, they've got a story and they've got lots of experience and the hope is that they're there to help you. But you've still got your story and if it's not matching up, kind of don't be afraid to, to say that to medical professionals to those in your life like keep sharing your experience um because it's absolutely valid you won't always be met with that validation that doesn't mean you should stop it yeah definitely i think two and a half years on i got some of the best treatment for my brain and it was 10 weeks and i was i actually cried at the end of it because i went thank you for believing me because i've actually got a presentation of what I've been through so when specialists ask me I don't have the energy to act out my symptoms I'm like here's slide number three slide number four but she was like yeah no I thought you've got the diagnosis I this is what we're going to go for and I was like you believe me wow so not every specialist or professional is gonna you know meet you with the same thing I think prior to that I had 12 that were just like get on with it and you do start to believe that voice you think am I making it up like it's not that bad shall I just try and smile my way through life and then you just get that one gem who goes I'm here for you and it's like great (laughs) thanks for that this is what I needed yeah but sometimes like you said that takes a long time doesn't it and it's it's hard to then pick up yourself up and go to that other appointment and what's this going to be like and of course you carry this these others have been terrible this that's your experience but it's almost like clean slate, still tell the truth, still tell my story and see what kind of I'm met with. I think that's so important that people kind of keep doing that because eventually they'll learn from you as well. Holly, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I've certainly learned some new stuff about yourself as well. And thank you for sharing your tips and your journey. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed it.